they quit on a bad day. And that's something I learned from the perfumer, Joe Malone. And I think that is just something that stuck with me, but that also goes hand in hand with the stamina, the, the hard work and the discipline from that I learned in dance. Hello and welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with your host, Lydia Holt. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm always so grateful to have you and I promise this is a great one. Today I have a very cool guest and it's an episode I've been super excited to produce. It's our skin special with skin expert Jordan of Jordan Samuel Skin. Jordan was a professional dancer with Pacific Northwest Ballet for 11 years before he retrained and became a qualified aesthetician, oh, that is very tricky to say, and founded his own skincare line called Jordan Samuel Skin. It was Jordan's love of facials that drew him in and the insight he has as a professional dancer that motivated him to create a brand that truly nourishes your skin. And it's that keen insight that we love here and he can really tell us what us as dancers should be doing. I am so keen for Red Lips and High Kicks to become a real resource for our listeners. And with Jordan's knowledge, I really put him to work and I got him to answer as many skin questions and skin dilemmas I could possibly think of, from acne to what we should be removing our makeup with, from sun to sea to facials to anti-wrinkle recommendations. It is a core curve an episode, chock-a-block full of advice. We take care and work on our bodies every day as dancers, but it's so important to remember to take care of our skin. It's the largest organ we have after all, and it gets abused with makeup and drowned in sweat more often than not. So we really need to make sure it gets the attention it deserves because when we show up, show more self-care, we actually show ourselves respect and love, and we need that now more than ever. You can buy Jordan's products direct from his website or at Cult Beauty that ships worldwide. And whilst you wait for his product to arrive, be sure to follow his YouTube channel where he shares videos regularly. And of course, you can also follow him on Instagram and you can follow us on Instagram at redlips.highkicks. And of course, subscribe on your podcasting app. That'd be amazing. And a rating also, you know I love a rating. That'd be fantastic. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much, Jordan, for all your insight and all your expertise. I lapped it up. I love it. Thank you so much. Have a great day and stay excellent. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. You're talking to me from New York. We've already discussed the weather, but how are you today? Today I'm good. You know, the weather really actually helps how yeah. I am. And uh, the weather in New York is sunny and lovely. And so I, I'm good. Today's a good day. Good. I'm so excited to kind of soak all your wisdom up and really hear everything you have to offer because we always need more guidance. But before we really get into the tips and advice bit, I'm actually really excited to hear from you. I think it's so cool when dancers go off and start these new ventures and and do so well. And I think it's such a testament to like how hardworking we are as dancers that you go and go on and have the second career and just kill it. So I want to hear your favorite applause and your most important rejection, if you will. So I do, so for me, my favorite applause is actually going to be extremely literal. And I did think about this question when I saw it come up and, and there could be a few answers to it. But for me, finishing my career and having that final performance and having that, that literal applause and having, mm. it was just a lovely, lovely evening and a lovely evening of being surrounded by friends and family and doing what I loved, having a great last performance, feeling good about my transition so to me, it really encompassed one yeah. aspect of my life and my career as a dancer. And so I, that to me, it, it's a literal answer, but it is, it, it really just was a true encapsulation of my career in one evening and who was there and who I was sharing the stage with and um, 
the sort of aftermath of it as well. But that was definitely, so I know that's like, you know, maybe boring, <laughs> literal, but, but it, it truly, it truly is. Um, and it was just a great closure on one aspect of my life. What was your final performance? Final performance, I performed Red Angels, Ulysses Dove, Red Angels, um, and which is the, one of my favorite ballets. It's, yeah. I have a funny story about it, actually, not to go like too far off on a tangent. <laughs> but it was one of the first ballets I saw New York City Ballet perform when I was at School of American Ballet. And the postcards they had at the time, it was Helena Lexopolis in Red Angels on the cover of the postcard. And I wrote from like my first summer course to my parents, you know, I, I'm loving it here. And someday I can't wait to be on like the front of this postcard too, or something. Oh. And cut to like 2000, so that was in 1996, cut to two, 2005, when Red Angels first came to Pacific Northwest Ballet in Seattle, I was in Red Angels, but I was on the postcard. Wow. And so it was an actual like, and so to finish with that um, for my career was, was very special as well. So it was a nice full circle moment for me. Yeah, I bet. That's so lovely. Okay. And then the next one is biggest rejection or what was the, how do you phrase it? Your most important rejection. Most, yes. Thank you. That's most important rejection. Ooh. You know, they, well, so since starting the business now, the business I have, Jordan Samuel Skin, there's a lot of no's. Okay. Um, even more so than in, I mean, more so than in ballet, just because I'm having to, I'm a small business trying to build it and not have the minimum order quantities and everything checked. And so I'm constantly, constantly told no, but I think it would have been the first time a manufacturer said to me, so this would have probably been at this point around 2004, 12, 13, 2012, 2013, that they were just like, no, we're not going to take you on. We'd been talking a bit. They were seeming like they were going to be flexible with the minimums and they just flat out said no. And we're done. They were done with the conversation. And all that did for me, A, it was frustrating because I just felt like it it was like the fifth place I'd contacted, but they were actually humoring me enough where I thought I was going to make like away with them. That did not happen. And though after like a bit of frustration, it really encouraged me to like, no, I'm going to spend time. I'm going to get on Google. I'm going to find a manufacturer that works like with me, lovely, but also will work within um, the amount we want. And I found that manufacturer and we still work with them to this day. And so um, that ended up fueling my fire to dig my heels in and come out on top which we have so that's amazing my most important rejection yeah that's so cool and I love that yeah like you compared it to the rejections that you get in dance but yeah it must be a whole different set of rejections in in different ways um as a business in in and it really is in a nice way it's so similar and so I was absolutely prepared Mm. for it but it just happens more often because instead of like you know an audition here an audition there it's a packaging supplier an ingredient supplier a manufacturer a warehouse a customer service department and they're all saying no essentially and so it it gets exhausting Uh, (laughs) but but it's similar I I had the um tools to help (laughs) was prepared and how did you get into dance I think as everyone's got a good story and specifically men I think men have always got interesting stories and how they started my story so I of course which I think we all sort of have a similar beginning to the story which is I was just an extremely active child <laughs> yes and I and my parents were like th- like 
I was really into gymnastics. I was really into figure skating. I was really into dance. And I was also really into soccer, funny enough. <laughs> but so I did all of those things. Soccer did drop off first um, and then gymnastics. And then it was sort of between dance or figure skating. And those two things were sort of the biggest draws for me at the time. And eventually figure skating fell by the wayside because dance just took over. Mm. And at first it was dance in general. It was a little bit of ballet, a little bit of jazz and a little bit of tap even. And I liked everything, but as the focus went more and more and more into ballet, that's where my love and passion came through. Um, and then, yeah, fine. I mean, so, I mean, I guess my story's not that exciting, but it was just being a super energetic, moving child. But I was always, even before I was put in dance classes, I would like make my parents sit down and watch me like <laughs> dance to Michael Jackson or something. And um, so I always wanted to dance and I always wanted to perform. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, no, you don't have to explain. Everyone knows it's, it's, it's such, it's a hard life. Um, getting to graduation, getting a job is one thing. And then the career itself, and you performed with Pacific Northwest Ballet, you know, an amazing company globally, let alone in America, uh, for 11 years. And your biggest, if you were to look at it, you know, from a distance, what, is it happy memories? What, what comes to mind when you think of, of those years for you? It's a hundred percent happy memories. Even the, even the bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff for me, meaning like injuries or, you know, a casting rejection or something. Yeah. Because again, it fueled me, it, it spurred my strength and tenacity and um, just helped me dig deeper. But it's, it's all happy memories. I don't, what's interesting though, is I'm very much, I'm excited to get back to live performances and this might be terrible to say on your podcast, but <laughs> being somebody that struggled to watch ballet on the TV, once in a while, it's been lovely, but Part of it for me is that other element, which is being in the theater with people watching a live show. And so I do love ballet. I still love it. Those memories are amazing. And I'm very excited to get back into the theater as an audience member. Um, and now that we live in New York, we obviously will have access to a ton of shows and yeah. a ton of dance. But um, yeah, so anyway, I'm happy memories of PNB. I'm struggling to watch stuff online and I can't wait for it. <laughs> theater to open again I think like that's such a common opinion not only before I also like wouldn't sit down all the time to watch it but I think especially it's it's everywhere at the moment and yeah. I what's so charming about the theater is it's such an experience you're not on your phone you've got live music there's other people around and the dancers are right in front of you and I think to just watch it through my laptop screen like just I was watching friends it's like oh it's the whole package deal of like seeing the sweat, hearing the orchestra warm yeah. up, like paying for your expensive ice cream in the halftime. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I miss. Exactly. Exactly. And starting your second career, I think is, it's such an, like an interesting uh, transition for everyone. I think, you know, ballet, it takes so much of like everything. You need a whole army to, to raise a ballet dancer and choosing something else where you have that same passion, that same motivation. How was that transition for you? And, and kind of, where did it come from? Where did your love of skin and skincare really come from? And, and was that an easy decision for you to make? That was a lot of questions in one. So we can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to go backwards with it because yeah. it, it Sort of makes sense when I tell the story. I've been telling the story a lot recently for whatever reason. Um, but growing up, I now looking back, of course, at the time I didn't put two and two together, but I always loved my mom's perfume, my dad's cologne, hair products, skin products. And I'm talking like 
when I was six years old. So super yeah. young, had no idea what the hell I was doing. But um, so the love was obviously there for the beauty industry and, and product in general. And then um, something I, I make sure to say, because everybody, not everybody, a lot of people starting a skincare line, their story is I had really bad skin growing up. I need, you know, I had the opposite. I actually growing up through teenage years was super lucky, did not have, sounds obnoxious, but I had you know, breakouts, <laughs> no issues. But because of that, I didn't have the tools to help myself with my skin. And dancing in a school like School of American Ballet, we had two shows a year. I wasn't wearing a ton of stage makeup, so skin was fine. Cut to dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet and dancing between four to eight shows, depending on the program, a week, wearing a ton of different stage makeup, removing it, putting it back on, removing it, putting yeah. it back on. My skin was like super sensitive, broken out. Um, and then I started getting facials and people, you know, in the ballet would get massages and I would get facials <laughs> and it would help my skin. And then I loved, I loved the experience. I loved the relaxation. I loved the results. I loved the products they would use. I would then purchase the products. And then, then my love of product from my youth really came forward and I started to problem solve a bit and, and see that like this product did this for my hair, this product did this for my skin. So I think even if I wasn't thinking about it directly earlier on in my career, it made sense that I was going to end up in the beauty industry. Yeah. I love beauty. And for a while, I thought it was going to be hair. Actually, I thought I, when I have hair, I have very curly hair. And I have a friend, Lorraine, who is a very famous hairstylist. And she took me under her wing. And I thought it was going to be hair. And then I really got into skin and skin started to sort of take over a little bit more. And um, there was sort of this, not scientific aspect, but this problem solving aspect with skin and skincare and people's skin issues. Um, and also this caregiving aspect that I really enjoyed and, and got into. And so then I had broken my left foot in whatever in 2004 and my right foot in 2006. And the first time I had, I felt like I had a break literally and figuratively. <laughs> Uh, just laid on the couch, relaxed, chilled out. It was early in my career. And even though two years later was not that much later in my career, it was just having them back to back, having had the relaxation downtime with the first injury, the second injury, I thought I should maybe start thinking about something else. And I just started toying around with different lotions and potions and products myself. This was all well before I was even in aesthetic school and all of that. Um, but that definitely got the wheels in motion. Um, to, to start the next career. And then I planned out my transition. So that's why I started with the backstory. So I really had everything in place in terms of what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to go to um, aesthetic school to get my esthetician's license, to be able to perform facials, um, to work in the skincare industry. Then with ultimate goal being, I love products. I love creating, eventually having my own line. And so I guess it was maybe a year and a half or two years before I retired from PNB that I put the wheels in motion of saving my money, making sure I had enough money to transition, um, to pay for school and just crossing those T's and dotting those I's. And then it, everything was lovely in terms of that. Like I really, it was set up. And then I got to, you know, my last week 
of dancing and it felt like the walls were coming in and it was emotional and sad yeah. and and it was and it still was for a long time actually after I transitioned but the first few months so I retired in June and I started aesthetic school in August so I only had about it was roughly like seven weeks I think of time to to decompress but I liked that it was it was time for me to just settle down and then jump into something new because it was something new the transition initially felt amazing I felt it was great my husband was uh, a dancer at PNB. My best friend was, a, all my friends were dancers at PNB. So I would go as an audience member, loved watching. I was new in school. So I just felt like the transition was like super easy and super fun and great. Yeah. And like, why was everybody making a fuss about <laughs> Until like maybe a year on, actually, that's when the transition hit me because I was very much out of the other career, not very much new into the next, but new enough or, um, prominent enough and working that the newness had died down and I just felt like what am I doing and what and it didn't nothing to take away from my passion for skin and skincare or from the ballet or either thing but it just really was this weird sense of mourning your one career while you're still alive um and that went on for two more years after. So I would say that I honestly didn't fully complete my transition from dancer to esthetician and business owner for like three and a half, four years. Um, it was, there was a lot of rocky moments in there. Yeah, and I, I really imagine, I think with dancers, we're so determined and we're so focused, but because it's it's there's a path and there's a goal and there's always kind of someone in front of you that you aspire to and the kind of the carrot is always in front of us. But I think, the moment you go independent no matter what it's in and actually you're your own boss there's so much doubt and I think there's so much fear and I think actually it traps a lot of people in industries and in jobs because they don't know a world where they have to kind of hold the reins and 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 do it so it must be I can't even imagine it must be very difficult kind of dealing with that fear and anxiety of literally not knowing kind of what's on the horizon and that's what it was too it was truly fear and anxiety just building up and then with this sense of not depression, but sadness of, of like grieving your own yeah. career. And the, the, those three things, anxiety, grief, and, you know, fear. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah, they don't, that doesn't turn out happiness. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm definitely happy to be past that. Yeah, but yeah. Definitely something that I talk about often with friends that are, you know, newly transitioning or retiring too, because it's, it's hard and everybody goes through it and everybody goes through it and deals with it in their own way and, and what they're doing next. But um, it's interesting. It's a mm. very interesting dynamic that happens when you leave the stage. Yeah. And, and retraining, like you said, you, you kind of went back to school and, and, you know, carved your own path, really. Did you find any sort of transferable skills that you would learn as a dancer that you actually could use in, in business and use as an individual as, as your own boss and as a business owner? Was there anything that you found you was easier because of your, your background? Um, for sure. Discipline and work ethic, without a doubt. Um, those two things. I because of how I am and how I like, I'm very much somebody that loves life, love doing things. So I love my work, of course, but I also like being with friends and having downtime. And I really am very serious about that. And I think I might skew more towards just loving life and working less if I didn't have a background as a dancer and, you know, 
professional dancer, especially, and, and having the work ethic and having the discipline to put on the blinders and just be laser focused on a task and to get it done and to figure it out and to, to problem solve and do all of those things. And also to the stamina, like again, literally yeah. and figuratively of with the business. And I mean, some days I just feel like it's constantly like beating me down, but I sort of dig in deep and everything we learn obviously in the ballet world and in dance in general and have the stamina to keep going and to keep pursuing and not giving up. And because that's the other thing too, so many small businesses I watch, they simply, I don't say they simply give up, but, but they do, they quit on a bad day. And that's something I learned from the perfumer, Jo Malone. Um, and she said, never quit on a bad day. And it's so true, except I watch so many people quit on a bad day. And I think that is just something that stuck with me, but that also goes hand in hand with the stamina, the hard work and the discipline from that I learned in dance. Yeah, that's such a good quote that I love that, don't quit on a bad day. And especially like for students as well. I mean, like this last year has been... <laughs> bad day bad day bad day yes. so it's 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 so important to remember that and actually and the graft and I think again like you never know which way your path will go and these skills that we kind of learn and and refine well will always have use will always have purpose and are always worth something and I think you're such a testament I think it's so important to know stories like yours to give us courage that there is things you can do out there that aren't always standing in line and just just being a ballet dancer if that's what you want right and also putting your own name on it like this I mean it's it's a you know Jordan Samuel skin it's lovely and but the courage to kind of really it becoming yours can you tell us about how you found that and and, and choosing that not because it's something I admire so much and I think uh, that moment where you were like this is mine I'm going to put my name right on the front of the bottle and uh, yeah how did that come around so I need to like really think about this because it was a lot, it was a good week of all I did was sit and think of damn names for the business. And it like, some of them were awful. A handful of them were good. Some included my name, some did not, some it was initials, some it wasn't. And it was all over the place. And it really was trying to imagine it on a bottle, like on a bag, people talking about it. How we settled on the name was... I had, again, through the ballet and getting facials and getting all of it done and learning about other brands out there, I really started to take to either esthetician-owned brands or dermatologist-owned brands because it's two groups of people that are strictly working in skincare, not to take away from any other brands. But when that's your profession and you're dealing with skin day in and day out, yeah, I think the products are going to be really good too. You know, you, you know something yeah. about skin. And... So what I liked about that and putting my name on it was that I stood behind it as an esthetician, as a professional and as a brand owner. And that's why I wanted my name on it is that I, I really truly stand by what is in here, what it does, who it's for. Um, and again, not to say that somebody's hiding behind if their name is not on it, but, but for me, that was something that was very um, clear. And two, on a much smaller scale, Jordan Samuel's my middle name. So Jordan Samuel, what I liked about that is Jordan is more of what I would consider a new age name, a modern name. It's not so 
you know, old school or traditional, maybe now it's becoming that, but Samuel is more of a classic name. And, and that was sort of the brand too. It, it's a modern spin on classics, um, classic products like cleansing and retinols and moisturizers and things like that. So there is a second underlining meaning to it for me, at least. Um, I don't think anybody sees it that way, but in my head, it, it, it all made sense. And, yeah. and so that was how the name came to be. Yeah, I love it. And it's, it's so courageous when you you really put yourself out there and put your name and there's no hiding from that. You can't run away from it. It's yours. And it's so admirable. I love it. And you've taken me perfectly into kind of the second half. And I've got so many questions, so many questions. And I'm so excited to kind of get into performer skin. Uh, it's something that I think we forget. God, we could massage our calves all day, but we barely touch our face and let alone the damage we do to it. Um, so, and, and I'm so intrigued that I often think about like when I'm older, I wonder if I'm going to have good skin because, you know, I haven't been in the sun so much. I'm, you know, I'm probably okay. But then it's like, mm, but also do you remember the like, you know, years and years of chemicals and chemicals that you're putting on your face? So we'll see time will tell but in the meantime it's really good that I have you to help me <laughs> and help all our listeners so what do you believe are the common mistakes that performers make with their skin Ooh, um I mean the first is just not getting all the makeup off okay. um you know utilizing maybe a makeup wipe wipe and thinking that that's enough or if they're using a cleanser, not double cleansing, but that is probably the most common mistake. And even if you're not seeing makeup, there can still be makeup deep in the pores that you really need to get out. Um, also for all your products, all your treatment products, all your moisturizers to work better after the fact. So proper makeup removal for sure has to be um, the number one mistake I would say I see with mm. performers. Um, and then two would be, not taking care of it afterwards. So I see a lot of people, you know, not doing the best version of removing their makeup and then not caring for their skin after the fact. So they've sort of left it like, and those two things, bookends of a routine, definitely are the most common mistakes that okay. I see. Right, write that down really big. <laughs> Take your makeup off, Lydia. Yes. And during this time when we're not on stage, and actually, like, honestly, my skin has just changed in the last year because it's just been a breather, a, a beat to kind of not have to put that prick stick on my face. What can we be doing now to prepare our skin for when we do have to be putting it back on and we're under the stage lights and we're not having all the time in the world? So I'm very big on the barrier function of the skin, which essentially is this innate thing it just does. Um, and, and we, we as humans are very good at messing with it, whether we over cleanse or over exfoliate or over strip or don't nourish it and don't protect it. So building up that barrier. So good, gentle cleansing, being really good with moisturizing, um, really good with sunscreen, keep it very simple, but keep those basic building blocks in place because then your skin will be nice and even toned. It'll be hydrated. It'll be resilient. And so when you are putting makeup on, um, a, it's going to go on better, but the skin's going to be less reactive to it because you're going to have kept the barrier in really great working order. Again, through simple things like a really great moisturizer, there's certain ingredients you can look for, but a good basic moisturizer is going to do you tons of good. And then a, a really good SPF that you will wear every day and then cleansing your skin. Absolutely. Like super simple, super straightforward, but it will get the skin to a really lovely place as you get back to put makeup on it. Okay, and, and what makes a good moisturizer? What are those key ingredients that we should be looking for? So there's gonna, I mean, there's a ton of different ingredients that are gonna be different for each type of skin. You're gonna have, essentially you're looking for this trio of humectants, emollients, and occlusives. Okay. 
Okay. And so humectants holding and drawing water into the skin, glycerin, hyaluronic acid, um, things like that. Uh, and then you have your emollients, which can be certain types of plant oils. Um, squalane is one, um, something like jojoba oil. Um, and then you have things like ceramides, which are, the skin is made up of ceramides. That's a, a great emollient and protector for the skin. And then occlusives, things like shea butter, um, or even uh, like Vaseline, like petroleum jelly, which don't be afraid of it. It's actually for a drier skin, it's amazing. Um, it's super benign in terms of like how it reacts with the skin, but it is occlusive and it is a heavy occlusive. So only use that, something like that if you're really dry or if you're not reactive, because as you put an occlusive like that on and then you have something underneath it, it's just going to push that more into the skin. So you could also get more irritation. Um, but a combination of, you know, general rule of thumb, if you're oilier, look for maybe like a gel cream formula, something a little bit on the lighter side, obviously a thicker, richer cream if you're on the drier side, fragrance-free if you're sensitive. Um, I personally recommend fragrance-free for most people. I understand the, I love fragrance and scent and I understand the like love of that, but especially for performers, because there's so much makeup going on and coming off and the over cleansing is probably bound to not over cleansing, but just the removal and, and the amount of agitation going on in the skin, that fragrance um, while super safe to use can irritate the skin in certain individuals. So I would recommend staying away from that if possible. Okay, that's that's a, a really easy thing to do as well. I love that, I'll definitely try look for that in my next moisturizer. And sort of, okay, so I've got to work. I've had my coffee, it's my evening show if I've had makeup on already, I've taken it off. How do I prepare my skin for makeup? What should I be doing before that kind of pan stick hits my face? Um, where I work, we use Crayola, which honestly, it's like a Pritt stick. It's, it's, it's so thick when you put it on and it really like, you could have the rawest sunburn underneath and no one would know. <laughs> it's really thick. How do we, what do you think we should be putting? Primer, a moisturizer before? What should I be doing before that slap goes on? Um, I like a moisturizer because you are getting that. And again, a very, very, very thin veil of moisturizer. There's plenty of moisturizers that can act as a primer too. Okay. So you, you don't have to do both things. You can certainly do a primer if that's your jam and that's what you want to do. Um, I prefer a moisturizer. It's giving you some more skin loving ingredients. You just do a super thin veil. It does not have to be the most expensive moisturizer on the market, obviously. Um, but so many moisturizers now can double as a primer and just give a really beautiful base under makeup. Okay. Um, but that you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to do 12 steps. It can be something as simple as like you've removed, you put on this light veil and then you start and let it dry for a second and then put on, go forward with your makeup. Um, do you have any tips? And obviously I don't know really where skincare ends and makeup, you know, that whole thing begins, but with like getting it to stick, you know, you're sweating. If you've got headdresses coming in and off or wigs, is there anything we can do to our skin to really make that makeup set and not shift? You know, I, I want to say yes, because there's, you know, amazing setting powders, setting sprays that people swear by. Mm -hmm. And I do, I do think they work. However, I don't think they're like made to work against people who were sweating so much or as much as we, because I was a sweater. And so Nothing ever. I mean, from the start of the show to the end of the show, my makeup did not look as fresh, you know, <laughs> and maybe I would touch up here and there, but um, 
the setting powders, the setting sprays, they do work. But again, if you're a heavy sweater, I don't know what to tell you. because <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're up against a lot at that point. Um, but those, I, I, and I know that there's a lot of uh, makeup lines, um, like fashion driven makeup lines have a lot of those setting sprays, which really do help like set it and keep it there. I, for me, I found the powders worked really well. Uh, but again, there's only so much it can do. Yeah, no, it is a bit of a losing battle at times. Yeah. And the all important after, after a show, you know, like I said, it's pouring off you. You've had it on for like three hours. If it's, a, a, you know, a double show day longer, we also get given makeup wipes. So we just, you know, out the door. I'm, I know I'm wrong, but tell me what I should be doing when I've just got off the stage and, I'm, you know, bef before I leave the theatre, what are the steps I should be doing? So ideally, so funny enough, I was that makeup white person too, or even worse. But if I knew then what I knew, know now, I would do this, mm. which is uh, one of two things. Either start with like a micellar water, those waters that you can get at the drugstore, put it on a cotton pad. And that sort of is the first layer of makeup removal. You might have to do a lot of swipes given the amount of stage makeup you have, and then follow up with a cleanser that suits your skin or do what people would consider a proper double cleanse, which would be start with an oil-based cleanser, uh, dry hands, dry face. So you massage it into a dry, you might have sweat on your face, but obviously like a dry face to melt down all of that makeup. It's essentially like attracting like, it's really breaking down your makeup and your blush and your powder and all of that. Um, remove that either with water or a washcloth, depending on the formula. And then follow up with another cleanser, ideally a water-soluble cleanser, cleansing milk that you can massage in, rinse off really quickly. That way you're going to ensure all of your makeup is removed, your skin is clean, it's not stripped or dehydrated or irritated or reactive. Um, and then follow up with, again, your moisturizer or something afterwards. Okay, that makes a lot more sense, I think. Yeah, it's, and actually I do this thing where I, I clean, I clean my face in the shower after before I leave the theatre. Oh. So I do like to think that what I haven't got on off with the makeup wipe, um, hopefully something else will get it off in the shower. And sometimes I feel like, yeah, gel cleanser, it's sort of soft and it, it's, it gets it. But then also I, I want to scrub. I want to like use, you know, an exfoliant. It's got like something in there to really get in there. What is the balance to kind of get that right without irritating your skin, but feeling like you have a clean face? So a few things. So first of all, if you are cleansing after a makeup wipe, great. Because that's the big thing for me is a lot of people stop at the makeup wipe and, and okay. that's the big no-no. So if you are doing a proper cleanse after a makeup wipe, it's, it's still not my first choice, but that would be fine. Like you're okay. still removing excess. So yeah. A-OK -okay on that. Um, it's really hard to get people into this, but funny enough, this is a, a, a big portion of how the brand started. And there was a ballerina who gave me an oil cleanser, a rinsable oil cleanser. And she was like, no, you don't need to be scrubbing or doing X, Y, and Z. You just really need to break down the initial makeup and then cleanse afterwards. And when I did that, it was life-changing. And uh, that was sort of how we developed our first product. And uh, also to that point, I just want to say that how the brand started was I had a ballerina in after a run of Nutcracker, a good friend, and she had just used wipes. And, but I had already cleansed her skin. This was before my products were out. I'd already cleansed her skin in the facial. And then I used something called ultrasonic exfoliation, which is this dull little spatula that exfoliates the skin. You wipe it down between each pass. It's usually a clear liquid, but her makeup was coming out of the wow. pore. That's how, so that to me was the first light bulb of like, oh no, the makeup really is 
set in there and you really do need to get it out. Um, so what you can look for in your, so instead of scrubbing, what I would recommend is a cleanser that has a light acid in it, something like salicylic acid or glycolic acid, because that's going to dissolve the dead cells instead of scrubbing them away. And because you're not leaving it on, it'll be far less irritating and it'll help grab those dead cells, which is holding on to the makeup, which is what you're essentially feeling or seeing. Yeah. And that way, then you're not irritating the skin. You're not leaving an acid on for super long, which is totally fine to leave on, but you're minimizing irritation that way. And then, yeah, you don't have the physical abrasion going on. So, um, I mean, of course, shout out to my cleanser, but the matinee gel cleanser in terms of a light cleanser after a makeup wipe or a micellar water or an oil cleanser does have a bit of salicylic acid. So it's going to give that same effect. Okay, perfect. And yeah, definitely you can check out, I'll, I'll make sure the website is linked below. <laughs> um, and I've like asked my friends, because I was so excited to have you on. And I was, I was quizzing them about like, what are the things guys that like, come on, I've got, you know, I've got an expert here. Let's really make sure that we're ticking all those boxes. And so many of them were asking about facials and they're like, oh, like, you know, is this something we should be doing? We, you know, we do put our skin under way more than, than a regular person. And what is your opinion? I mean, I imagine it's a positive opinion uh, about facials, but particularly what type of uh, facial would you recommend for, for dancers? I think especially for dancers, and again, it's going to depend on your needs and concerns, but for the most part, for most dancers, I would say quarterly, if you have the ability to do it, you could get a deep cleansing facial. They're not super fun because they involve extractions, but because of the amount of sweat and makeup and dirt and grime, it's just a really great deep cleanse. It's going to clean out your pores. It'll give you a really good exfoliation and just be a really great, like you're setting your slate up to be like perfect for makeup application and many other things. Um, there might be people that wanna do something a little bit more advanced. I wouldn't say that's necessarily needed for a performer. I would say that could be for anybody given again, your concerns. Um, but specifically I would uh, deep cleansing facials, like a good, you know, here they're known as European deep cleansing facials, <laughs> which I don't know, like I actually don't know the history on that and why that is why they call them that. But so over there, they might just be called facials. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like a deep cleansing facial with extractions is going to be what you look for. Okay. Okay. And, and also anti-aging is obviously, I feel like it's never too early to start worrying about wrinkles. And with the amount of like stuff that goes on around our eyes, like eyelashes, that glue, no matter how hard you try, I feel like I've only just got the glue off my eyelashes that was on from last March. It really is stuck there. And our eyes particularly are so heavy and used. Is there anything we can be doing to kind of protect our eyes and, you know, stopping anti and stopping those wrinkles kind of coming about? So you don't, so I, we do obviously sell a specific eye product and there's a lot of companies with great specific eye products, but if you have a moisturizer that you really enjoy on your face and it's not reactive around your eyes, bring it up, not all the way to like your lash line, but around the orbital area, that bone, um, just because it's eventually going to migrate up there, but it'll keep the skin hydrated. Um, again, if you're using those great ingredients, whether it's antioxidants or ceramides or shea butter, or hyaluronic acid, those are all going to help the eye area just in general. I'm also a fan of taking the uh, SPF you use up to the orbital area because protecting your skin from the sun is the best thing you can do um, for everybody. And so um, it seems simple and easy, but many people don't do it. And those would be my recommendations. Okay. That's, that's definitely easy to take on board. And actually it's funny what you were saying about Vaseline. I've got this habit at the moment and you'll probably tell me it's a waste of my time of putting Vaseline under my eyes and like on my brow bone before I go to bed, which 
I mean, you can tell me if that's a bit useless, but I just like, I think when I wake up in the morning and your eyes feel a bit itchy, just putting that on before bed makes them feel a little bit softer. Am I doing the right oh, thing? Totally. And, and you could max, if you have a moisturizer on before that even, then you're like golden because that's just going to be a lovely, like occlusive seal to keep the water in the skin, keep the skin hydrated and plumped and come. No, that's perfect actually. Oh, amazing. I'm pleased <laughs> not be wasting my time then. <laughs> And I, I used to work on a cruise ship, so I was doing a lot of a lot of time in the sun. There was a lot of sunburns, I will admit. I didn't always remember to, to wear my sunscreen, but also so much sea, you know, and, and that salt is, I used to have, a, I used to struggle with acne as well, and that the salt was sometimes so purifying and really kind of helped me. But for dancers, you know, once cruise ships open again, who are back on those ships, is there kind of more specialized advice that you think would help them with more sun and with more salt? That's a good question. A, I'm like daydreaming thinking about being on a cruise ship. I've never been on a cruise ship, but just get me to a beach. And I'd oh, be yeah. Fine. But uh, sunscreen, 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 sunscreen. Um, okay. Because it's, they're probably going to end up being outdoors more than they think, even if it's... And there is a report somewhere that I, of course, I'm blanking on now, but that most people, when they go to a beach, are really good about applying sunscreen, but they aren't good about doing it like when they're going down the street for a walk or going to the bus. And most sun damage, they're saying, occurs with the incidental damage like that. Um, so sunscreen, just like okay. recommend everybody finds a great sunscreen they love or, and you can, if it's moisturizing enough for you, that can be your one and done. Um, the salt water is tricky because on some skins, you are going to have this lovely reaction where it's purifying and, and lovely. And this, I mean, the sea is sort of magical, but on a lot of people, it's also going to be extremely dehydrating. So probably the best thing to do would be, again, SPF, 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 everywhere reapplying when you're at the beach or in the sea. And then afterwards, a really good cleansing layering of products, you know, maybe a hydration serum and then maybe a moisturizer on top and maybe even an oil on top of that to minimize any of the drying effects of both the sun and the sea. Okay. Probably very straightforward, easy, but effective tips. Yeah, that's really useful. And hopefully with the warmer weather coming that uh, someone, people will be getting to beaches. <laughs> yeah. um, and acne as well. I mean, I know it's, it's difficult to, to really have a, a blanket answer because everyone's acne is different. Everyone's skin is different. I personally, I mean, can only really talk on my own skin uh you know didn't struggle in my teens but almost the minute I turned 20 it just flared up and I think it was all around my mouth and it's quite hormonal acne as also I'm told um and it took me getting on a prescription I had to go to the doctor to get one and I have it in front of me and it's the it's a benzyl peroxide one so it is quite strong um and I'm kind of afraid to come off it now because I think it's completely solved there and I don't know whether it was just an early 20s thing that will go away now but it, it, it did take a lot. And have you got any kind of essential tips, you know, that you could blanket out to people who are struggling with acne? So something that I say that not a lot of people love because it's not as easy as recommending a product, but what I see time and time again is people struggling with breakout and with acne get recommended a product and they go try the product and it doesn't help. Then they get recommended another product. So then all of a sudden they've spent hundreds of dollars on products that don't work. My first recommendation is if you can get into a dermatologist, I know it's different in every country depending on insurance and, and rules and laws, but going to a dermatologist while it might seem like a spend upfront depending on where you are or a timely uh, time commitment of waiting to get into a dermatologist is going to have you ahead of the game because you're going to know exactly 
sort of where your breakout's coming from, if it's hormonal, if it's, you know, blackheads or grade one or grade two or grade three or grade four, and they can put you on a prescription if needed, topical or internal. And they can also recommend a really great straightforward routine. So that's sort of my first recommendation. Yeah. If it's just, because then there's the version two of somebody who gets a spot here or there or a spot here or there consistently, and they say they have acne, which could that be classified as acne? Technically, yes, but they might just be using the wrong products for their skin or they might not be cleansing their face, you know? And, that, and that's because people always say like, tell people with acne, just clean your face more. That's not it. And that's like the stupidest, most like yeah. annoying, awful, disrespectful thing. But if again, it's a spot here or a spot there and it's not true full-blown acne um, and just breakout or reaction, totally could be incorrect product, or maybe you need to remove all your SPF at the end of the day or remove your makeup. You know, that's what I, I had that. I did not have acne, but I had consistent breakouts because I was removing my makeup like a idiot. And um, so fixing that for me helped that. Again, I did not have acne, yeah. but um, there's great ingredients, again, depending on where you are, things to look for like salicylic acid, benzoyl peroxide. Um, in the States, we can get it over the counter. I know, I think in the EU, it's prescription only. Yeah, yeah, this is a prescription one. Um, but benzoyl peroxide is fantastic. Salicylic acid is fantastic. Sulfur can be great. Um, so there's great ingredients out there in a, in a ton of products. But if you're, if you're somebody who's really struggling with it, to me, just cut to the chase and go to the dermatologist yeah. right out of the gate. It'll save you time, money, and headaches, truly. Mm. No, and it affects your confidence so much. It's so easy to um, to say that. And I think especially it's something I, I wanted to mention was, was boys as well. I think, you know, at least girls, we can feel confident enough to wear makeup in between or, you know, to hide it. And I think it's so it can be so hard for men who don't feel comfortable to put a concealer on if it's not a show. And um, it really can knock your confidence to, to not have the skin that you want. Because I think having a bare face is, you know, it's how we're brought into the world. It's how, you know, nature intended. Yeah. And it's, it's really important that you feel good in your own skin. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and with scarring as well and when I had spots they would I would ugh, sometimes pick them and stuff but the scarring would actually last longer than the spot is there anything that you know of that can help with that so I'm going to sound like a broken record <laughs> but SPF um, because especially when you have uh, just a flat sort of discolored mark left over from the breakout if you're going outside, the sun is just going to exacerbate it by sort of activating those uh, melanocytes in the skin and it's gonna keep that color there longer, darker. And so putting SPF on gives you that first level of protection. That's not going to correct it, it's just gonna keep it at bay. So then everything else you do, whether it's a vitamin A or retinol, which can be again, prescription or over the counter everywhere, I think everywhere, um, is, great for helping to speed up cell turnover, helping to lighten those spots. Um, same thing with alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, again, back to salicylic acid. Um, vitamin C can also help, but using those in conjunction with an SPF is crucial. Uh, then if it's more of um, like an in indented scar, you know, where you need maybe mm. more like a microneedling treatment or, um, a laser or, or maybe something more advanced or deeper chemical peels. Um, again, that's gonna be something for your esthetician or dermatologist, but otherwise SPF, vitamin A, 
alpha hydroxy acids, vitamin C are going to be your best friend in helping to, and pay, honestly, patience, because we all get it. And as, of course, another fun thing about aging or maturing is as we age, it's our body that heals slower. Yeah. So the breakout spot will heal slower than it did when we were younger. And it still heals slow when we're younger. So it's patience has to be in there too. Yeah. I didn't know that. So interesting about um, SPF. I did not know the sun did that. And again, last, you know, I was in the ship in 2019 was like, oh, the sun will, will heal it. The sun will heal it. No. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, uh, that's so interesting. And yeah. my last question, because I, I'm so grateful for all your insight. Um, it's it's so saturated in the market we're told so much this is the cure this is the best thing and it's so you know when you we've got to watch your money it's hard to really know what to believe and how to believe it for you and I love that your kind of slogan is choreograph your skincare and it is really about it being bespoke to you and 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 you deciding what are the kind of the elements that make up your your ideal skincare routine is it serums oils scrubs masks cleansers like there's so much but what for you should be our kind of backbone so yeah i love talking about this too because what usually happens is that people go for the fun stuff and they don't have their building blocks in place so for me in terms of like that really strong foundational skincare routine great cleanser great moisturizer great sunscreen um your day moisturizer and sunscreen can be all in one if you need it to be, but then mm -hmm. obviously have a separate, if, if that is the case, then have a separate one, um, separate moisturizer for nighttime as well. Yeah. Um, if not, you could just have the same moisturizer day and night and then just have, plop an SPF on top of it. So great cleanser, great moisturizer, great sunscreen. Um, and then there's a few other things you could do depending on where you are age-wise, budget-wise. Um, look for something like vitamin A or retinol is amazing. It's amazing for breakout. It's amazing for aging. It's just amazing for skin health in general. Um, and then good exfoliant, alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, polyhydroxy acids. I recommend all of those. You can even get it in your cleanser if you're somebody who's sensitive. For me, I usually get it in a cleanser or a mask because leaving it on the skin is too much for me. Um, so cleanser, moisturizer, SPF, exfoliation and a vitamin A. Um, and that I expanded that we could even dwindle that down to cleansing, moisturizing and SPF Okay. and keep it very simple, but, but the alpha hydroxy acids acting as the exfoliant and the vitamin A just being a great antioxidant and great proven ingredient would be two amazing additional add-ons to any routine. Okay. Thank you so much. This God, I'm going to need to really re-listen to this just to write down all this information because this is so useful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.